Today, we talked to Emma Seligman, director of Shiva Baby, uh, one of my favorite movies of last year. It's, it's a 2021 film, though. I don't know why I keep saying that. Um, yeah, you saw it last year, though. I saw it last year. I just thought I should say this right off the bat because that's the big thing of this week. And we're just going to... We, she's not here yet. We're Well, she, we it happened already. We're just... Yeah, um, we, then we, we figured that we didn't want to make them because they're in the middle of a, of a press tour that we were a yeah. part of. Uh, so yeah, we didn't want to make them sit through our intro and outro. Yeah. Um, that so, felt unnecessary. Unnecessary. Because... Rude even? <laughs> we would have... Uh, Jeff would have embarrassed himself after answering this question that I'm about to ask him. Mm-hmm. Which is... Uh, which short film featured Mickey Mouse's first appearance? Dude, Steamboat Willie, get out of here. It's, nope, it's plain it's, crazy. <laughs> okay, so Steamboat Willie was the what Mickey Mouse was based on. Uh-huh, and yeah. That's pretty well so known. I, yeah, right. Um, so I think that that is just a poorly worded question. Yeah, so you're now, not going to take the fault for that. No, I'm going to say that that i think by any common uh you know and, and most people would say that that was his first appearance was steamboat willie yeah and then they changed his persona to mickey mouse afterwards right but it's still the same guy yeah mouse mouse guy still the same mouse um yeah well well, you still got the question wrong, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna just <laughs> move on. Um, yeah. Today That's in fair. the news, Bo Burnham to play Larry Bird in HBO's Los Angeles Lakers series. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Larry Bird has like a very midwestern accent. Uh huh. Um. So that'll be fun to watch Bo Burnham have to do like an exaggerated. Oh yeah. Uh, but here's the thing, right? Yep. This casting makes perfect sense, right? Because how many actors that are very tall are there? Not a ton, actually. I mean, like, tall you know, kind of tall hands lanky, are tied there, you know? Yeah, you can't have a lot of basketball biopics because I feel like it's a lot of tall guys. Yeah, and... I mean, unless you were just gonna do like cast actual basketball players like Space yeah. Jam. Yeah, well, that's an even tougher one to do a biopic on because then you have to find a bunny yeah <laughs> who can play basketball <laughs> it's just where do you begin yeah. that process um opposable fingers opposable fingers eats a carrot yeah um i mean i think eating the carrot would be pretty easy to find yeah to do that but yeah bo burnham he is like what six five yeah yeah he's very and tall i'm just glad he's getting acting roles like this i mean i've always loved bo burnham he seems yeah. to be doing pretty well for himself now so. I would have liked some movie magic. I want. I wish they cast Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Had to de-age him, and then had to put him on stilts because he's like five foot seven. <laughs> that is a like, stunt uh, yet. Like like the, like the carnival guys who walk around with the really long pants on stilts. Yeah. So who's... still the upper body of someone who's five foot seven. I'm gonna <laughs> but look he up. Was actually, six foot eight. <laughs> I'm going to look up shortest male celebrities. Who do you think is like one of the shortest male 
So Kevin minutes. Hart. Kevin Hart's yeah. Kevin Hart is I think the top. Kevin Hart, Joe Pesci. What? Lil Wayne stays true to his name. He is Lil. It's uh, five foot five. Well, I did not know that. Daniel um, Radcliffe. Damn. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. I I mean, the thing <laughs> is, it's kind of weird because he was a child star. Yeah. So they did yeah. not know the height he was going to be. Mm-hmm. as he progressed through the years for Harry Potter. Yeah, and they were like, oh, he's not growing that much. Yeah, well, it wasn't um, like, which is, you know, I mean, nothing fine. to do about that. Yeah. But uh, it's just then some of the other characters got like very tall. Like Ron yeah. got pretty tall. Yeah. So then for a few years, they also just grew at different rates. Right, right. Yeah. Um, um, now, here's the last thing I have to say about this news. Uh, I looked up, Bo Burnham is six foot five. Larry Bird is six foot nine. Jesus. So that's four inches taller. Uh-huh. Now, do you think that they're going to cast around that and make everyone four inches shorter so that they, <laughs> uh, that they look so, the right heights? That'd be so smart gonna, of them. Yeah. I mean, just cast every player four inches shorter than they actually are. They could, okay, they could have taken this to the extreme, cast someone who's six feet tall for Larry Bird. Yeah. And then, cast, then they could have really opened up their options. Uh huh. Yeah. Jeff, how tall are you, by the way? I feel um, like we... six foot three. Whoa. I knew you were tall. You're taller than me by a lot. Yeah. But I think yeah. I'm five foot eleven. I mean, just I could the... have been in this this biopic. Yeah. You should be. I can dunk a basketball. Y- mm-hmm. Well <laughs> So when they needed I... the shots of that, now it would have taken me a few takes probably, because I right. can only dunk like one of every four or five attempts. Uh-huh. Um, but I can do it. Yeah. I remember hearing that you were on the club basketball team with some people. There was and... no, it was not a club basketball team. It was an intramural team. Uh, <laughs> I was on it with Brandon and Nick. Yeah. Uh, friends of the podcast and right. friends of us in real life. In real life. Yeah. And here's the thing. I was the worst player on the team. Yeah. I was about to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Now, I scored more points that season than Brandon, but Brandon played better defense. Mm-hmm. And part of that is that I think a third of my points were scored in the first half of the first game, where for some reason I just like exploded and scored seven of our first 15 points in the first game. Yeah. And then I didn't hit more than like five points in any game after that. Yikes. I mean, probably better than I could do. I'm not. I think basketball is my worst sport, but. Yeah. Oh, I'm, no, that's like my worst sport as well. Yeah. I would say soccer is my best sport. Yeah. I and did. I was, uh, yeah. 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 What, what do you, you were good at swimming. We know that. Yeah. Well, I tried out for the basketball team, the first practice, uh, in, in seventh grade and wore those big chunky DC shoes. Do you know what I'm talking about? The yeah. big chunky ones. I was running around in those and I didn't know what to do. And then the next day I went to my first swim practice. Cause I was like, um, you were like, and, and did you still wear the shoes in the pool? Yeah. And they were like, <laughs> They're like, and you're, and you're like the better. chunkiness. They're yeah. like flippers. The flippers, yeah. The, you, the fat you, of the shoe. The record. Yep. I did break a record in high school for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. And it, yep. was, it was rebroken the next year. Someone broke it. My own. I had the they broke your, name yeah. on the thing for a year. And, yeah. uh, yep. Okay. La- last basketball a statement is Last that my confidence was shattered because one of my neighbors yeah um i he was like three or four years younger than me yeah and 
uh, I played basketball against him once. Mm-hmm. And he was three or four years younger, but he was the same size I was height-wise, and he was, like, bigger than me. Uh-huh. Um, because eventually he made it to the NFL as a tight end. So I played against this professional athlete, like, growing up, and he just destroyed me and was so aggressive. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So, and it turns out he, was, he ended up being, like, six foot five, 240 or 50 pounds. That must and- be – Yeah. That's better for your self-esteem, knowing that, you know, well, he was retrospect, someone special. But growing up, it yeah, really, really ruined my confidence. I'm like, wow, I must really suck at basketball because <laughs> I'm getting beat by this kid who's four years younger than me. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Um, yeah. Damn. Well, I think that's enough sport talk for today, right? Um, yeah. We can just hop right into the interview now. Uh, so enjoy the Emma Seligman interview. Ba bam! I'll say it again. Uh, what's up, Emma? Thanks for thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um. Congrats on all the success already with the film and and all that jazz. Thank you. Uh, Thank but you. Just wanted to like. I feel like we we've only interviewed like one other. I think filmmaker who's put out a film in the middle of all this, and <laughs> I just wanted to ask like how's it been like promoting slash releasing a film in this climate (laughs) yeah uh it's been so weird um but i think unexpected because we were supposed to premiere at south by southwest uh a year ago and that was like the first sort of covid industry casualty i feel like so after that i just i don't know i naturally just had extremely low expectations and thought the movie was like going to sit on a shelf. So I feel like every sort of step of the way since then um, has been a surprise and very exciting to me. So I feel like at this point, I'm like, it's great. I'm happy to promote and release a movie in COVID because like, I feel like that's just a blessing even, you know, on its own. Um, So yeah, since then it was like, oh, we got into TIFF. That's amazing. That's sort of where it ends. And then we got a distributor and I was like, oh my God, like, could we actually come out? And I was like, maybe, but like, who knows what's going to happen. And then (laughs) We got a release date and I was like, okay. And now I feel like finally that it actually is being given to the rest of the world and, and promoting it and stuff. Um, so, so it's overall actually really um, nice um, and, and uh, surprising, yeah. Yeah, I feel like even before the film has had a full wide release, like it's gained such a dedicated fan base. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm personally in that group. Like Aww. I just, I talk about it as much as I can. So just Thank you. big fan of the movie. Um, I appreciate that. I thought it was only Diana Agron fans, so that makes yeah. me really happy to hear. <laughs> Unless you yeah. are one of those, you know. Yeah, I mean, Diana yeah. Fans. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, happy Passover. Happy Passover. Happy Pesach. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, uh, I think, is one of the most Jewish films uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I mean, this and, and also okay. an American Pickle. So, you know, there's uh, some big Jewish right. films coming out in the last year. Um, yeah, so I think that's a nice trend. <laughs> yeah. Um, I We kind of, Jeff and I were talking earlier about the title because um, I, I we thought we knew what it was because we, we thought like Sugar Daddy, right? And then we we're like, oh, but it's Shiva Baby. And I'm just, I feel, we didn't really know. I thought we were onto something. <laughs> I was just wondering is like it, what the origin of the title was. Is it a pun? Uh, I yeah I guess I mean it took me a while to figure out the title when we'd made the short film this was based on and I was like we went through like 50 different titles and then someone suggested Shiva Baby 
she's a sugar baby within the movie. So it's like, mm-hmm. right. she's a Shiva baby, but then also there's a baby. So at a right, Shiva. Right. So those are the, the, I always think of it though as Danielle, like she's a Shiva baby. And then once we had the baby on set, everyone's like, here's the star of the movie. And, <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? I think we have different understandings. <laughs> like which one is the pun? Which one's the second right. sort of double meaning? Mm-hmm. Um, for, my, for me, the baby is second, but for some people it's first, so. Yeah. Yeah. Super well acted baby, by the way. I mean, that he wasn't supposed to be crying, so I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I mean, God bless Edgar. That's his name, but right. I don't know if he has instincts. Um, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't read the script properly. He wasn't supposed to be crying. Um, no, he was. He was uh, such a trooper. We just kept taking him away from his mom, and yeah, yeah. So nice. Yeah, he was a great baby. No, he looked great. Yeah, right. <laughs> um. I wanted to ask, I feel like there's like five separate themes and stories within this movie, which is so cool, first of all, for how precise it is and how much you're able to squeeze in that runtime. Um, yeah. And I was curious, I know there, the short film came before this, but like, what was like the initial idea with the film? Like, what, what did you start off with as a concept? Well, the concept I feel like was just like the bar joke that it is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like girl runs into sugar daddy at a Shiva. I was like, that's funny. And I know Shivas and I know sugar daddies. So, you know, well, I know more sugar babies than sugar daddies, but um, I, uh, I thought that that was sort of just, just, I think I just ran with it as a joke for, I was like, it's going to be six minutes. Like it's awkward. She runs into him. He knows her parents. Like, you know that's crazy and that sort of just ended there I was like oh and then he's got a baby like I just was like ah this is so nuts for her um (laughs) and then when I finished the short I felt like I sort of understood what I'd sort of been putting into it subconsciously in terms of like the emotion of what the character is going through um and I think that that just became about sort of like realizing that your sexual power so to speak quote unquote is um limited as a young woman when it feels like it's been the only power that you've been able to like hold on to. And then like, you realize it doesn't, it's like fake. And you're yeah. like, okay, great. What am I supposed to do now? Um, so I, I think that that was sort of the kernel of like what everything was layered upon for the feature. But I always knew I wanted Maya, um, you know, Molly Gordon's character. I felt like I wanted her in the short. And then I was like, there's too much going on. Um, there's a baby, there's a wife. No, I can't throw in an ex-girlfriend too in six minutes. But um yeah, I think that Danielle's insecurity and sort of going from, you know, having no self-worth to maybe understanding that she has no self-worth and she needs to build it herself, um, yeah. so to speak. Um, that's the base of it. And then everyone else is just sort of in her way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, that's sort of, um, that's how I just kept looking at it. And that's how about, that's what Rachel and I sort of talked about. I feel like it was always about power and like gaining power and then losing it. It always has to do about sex and selling not selling herself but like you know she gains a little power from max and she uses that power on Maya, and she loses it with Maya, and she has to get it from max and she's chasing it in all these ways and it's just Mm -hmm. um you know sending her on this downward spiral yeah i love that i also love just the fact that i feel like and maybe i'm just not watching enough but just bisexual representation in film is so rare to come Mm -hmm. by like Mm -hmm. it's i know it's like specific i guess but like I just felt so surprised and glad that that was in there. Um, And I think you did a really great job with that part of the movie. Thank you. I feel like you are watching enough because there isn't really. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, I think it's nice how that's also not what the film is about. 
Yeah. You know, where because I feel like that's one angle you can take, and it's just so yeah. over that it, it, and at this point, it's just a part of the film, but it's not, you know, in your face yeah. in a way where it's, it, it just feels more natural. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sort of getting tired of movies where their sexuality is the conflict of the movie, even if yeah. it's yeah. a positive representation. I, I'm not against them. I'm just like, we've seen this so much. Like, why can't they just be existing in their life? Mm-hmm. And that have that that's not the issue of the movie, you know, even yeah. if it's an issue in their life, like we don't need to like see into that that much, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I this is my second time. Well, last night I watched it for the second time. The first time was at New Fest. And um, I, <laughs> I already knew like what happened and like how the film unraveled. But like, when I get really anxious, I pick at my nails and I just obliterated my thumb last night watching I this do that movie. too. I do that too. My, I, we're on Zoom right now, so whatever. I won't show you, but mine are bloody also. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's un, not a good combination. Well, that's a compliment. I'm so sorry for your fingers. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, this is a great thing to get out of the movie, I guess. <laughs> um, but I was going to ask you, because I think you do such a great job with, like, the anxiety in the movie like it's such a there's so few movies that make me feel this strong um like what makes you anxious in watching a movie like what do you look for when (laughs) in that department yeah uh well I feel like what makes me anxious in real life makes me is different but um Mm -hmm. like bad speeches anyone like sort of talking longer than they should I like you know I like in public like people speak I'm Canadian so I'm like ah just stop um (laughs) You know, um, I think in mo- I think for this, I just, you know, I, I don't really watch a ton of horror movies, not because I'm against them. I just like, it, it's never been like my, like people who love horror movies, like it's like almost like that's their life, which is great. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I watched, I just sort of, a good score makes me anxious. Um, sub- like passive aggressive dialogue makes me anxious like Mm -hmm. dramatic irony when characters know something or you know something but the the other people don't know yeah anxious um like I think the movie I kept going back to at every stage of the process was Croatia um but then I also looked at other awkward family dynamic stuff like um uh Rachel getting married which is deeply uncomfortable and um August Osage County which is is yeah, you'd think like, what? But like, there's some moments where you're like, oh, like, yeah. you know, just cringing. Um, so yeah, I think in claustrophobic cinematography, I mean, I don't, I think it just, I just didn't really, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't like, oh, I don't make this a horror movie, but I just started looking at Krisha and then I was like, oh, okay. Like he uses a lot of claustrophobic cinematography. I'm like, oh, and then I found out Cassavetes was an influence on him. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, let me, I had already seen a couple of his movies, but that I wanted to watch more. And then it just sort of went from one thing to another. And then I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of Black Swan. And I watched yeah. Black Swan. And then in that, in Black Swan, there's so many physical elements. And that's where I, I sort of took from that. Like she's scratching at her hangnail. You're just mm-hmm. talking about yeah. that. She pulls her hangnail back. Or, you know, the thing that grows out of her back that she keeps scratching at. So that sort of influenced the like physical details um, yeah. of us. So yeah, just sort of one movie led me to another. And I was like, oh yeah, this yeah. is anxious yeah no I definitely the claustrophobic feeling also I think you did an amazing job of making almost entirely a one location film because that is (laughs) so hard I mean uh because all three of us went to film school where you know in film school (laughs) you especially the first few films you make are definitely like one location because you just film in someone's apartment um (laughs) and it's really hard to, to make 
a five minute film just in one apartment and you made a, you know, 77 minute film in one house and it did not feel, uh, you know, it didn't feel that it was in one location until you really thought about it. And you're like, wait a second, we didn't leave this house, but it's, it was a perfect claustrophobic environment. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I think a lot of that I have to hand off to my cinematographer who, who worked with me in trying to sort of differentiate each room and make sure that claustrophobia didn't feel repetitive and, um, and also the actors and just sort of shaking up their performances in different ways. Um, but yeah, so I had a lot of a lot of help and um, our editor just sucking the air out of the, the runtime, you know, like just not allowing for any pauses and making sure all the dialogue was overlapping, even though naturally within the take, it wasn't overlapping, um, stuff like that. So I definitely, yeah, everyone, everyone played their part for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask about the house because something I realized on the second watch is like so many of the gags or plot points are like the core of them is the room sometimes, especially in the end where it's like one character enters that one doorway only to reveal like the mm -hmm. other. I'm not, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who yeah, hasn't seen it, but yeah. there's another character in the other. And I'm just like, how much of that was written? Did you have like the house in mind pre-script or was that like a post thing? I wrote it and then I knew that whenever we found the house, it was going to end up having a shift based off of what the rooms looked like and felt like. And okay. I, I had every scene written out, you know, but I was like, I don't know if Danielle and her mom are going to be in the kitchen, if that's going to make sense. Maybe they're going to have to be, I don't know, like maybe she's going to have to come make her, instead of like, you know, help her bring food to the table, maybe she's going to like bring her to another area to like do something else. So um, yeah, I, I can't remember what shifted slightly, but once we got into the house, um, yeah, I just sort of wrote it to fit what, you know, felt right. And also, you know, um, with, um, especially my DP's suggestions being like, oh, this room has a lot of natural light, you know, it feels less claustrophobic. It feels more open. It feels lighter. The walls are white, you know, um, yeah. There's less on the, there's less decorations, et cetera. Like, what should we put in that room? Because that's going to feel a little lighter than you know the rest of the house. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I definitely adapted it to the house once we knew where we were shooting. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely would not have worked with an open floor plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. I feel so lucky we got the house that we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the runtime thing a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, first of all, so, like, I love shorter movies. I think like, <laughs> the movie should be, like, 90 minutes. Um, <laughs> there was just a tweet I read that was, like, ranking movie times. Um, and I'm not going to read it out or anything. But I was just curious, in your opinion, like, what's an ideal runtime? Obviously, it depends, but just, like, <laughs> if you have a preference. Um, um, you know, I think it really depends on the movie. Like, I think, you know, and for me, I, it's really rare that I like it beyond 90 minutes, but usually when I do, it's because it's like, you know, like a Scorsese, like eight hour epic. And you're like, <laughs> sort of, for me, mm -hmm. at least like, I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, I'm strapping in, I'm going to watch 80 years of this person's life. And it's always that way. You know, you're like, you know, that, right you're not watching a movie, you're watching someone's life. And I think yeah. that when it's done so well, you know, by like, you know, Scorsese or Tarantino, like whoever it is, like you, for me, if it's done well, it feels worth it. Um, mm -hmm. to, to, and I don't even think of it really as a movie at that point. I think of it as, as, as someone's like, you know, it's an epic, which I think is its yeah. own category. Right. 
but usually I think shorter is better, but sometimes I don't know, sometimes I'm watching something and it's going by so fast. If it's got a really good pace to it, I won't notice. Um, Mm -hmm. But usually if there's a good pace to it, it's not two hours. It's an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I, I definitely agree that it varies film to film because I think Benjamin Button being 77 minutes uh, would not have <laughs> No, that wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been de-aging like, yeah. at, like five years. Sort of like, yeah, we, we did that. We just thought this concept would work for like 15 years instead of a whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm down for slow movies too. I really like, I like a good sort of like minimal dialogue you know, clearly I didn't, I did the opposite. I'm always like so impressed by films that like have no dialogue and like, you know, like just maintain like one shot, you know, like yeah. one frame for like eight years. Um, uh, and then I just go do the opposite because I don't know how to do that. Um, but yeah, like now I'm trying to think like a movie like Shame, you know, or Hunger, like a Steve McQueen movie. I'm like, how long was that? Because that was to me like, like so slow, but perfectly slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm like, it could have either been an hour and a half or two hours. Like, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I think, I think you have to, yeah, sort of nail that, that sweet spot of having a movie that's meant to be slow and delicate without it being boring, you know? Yeah. yeah. If, like, if your film was two and a half hours, I think I would have passed out. <laughs> Just from, like, I can't imagine the anxiety building for I mean, that she long. would have passed out. She would have had to have passed out and been brought back to life before you could have been passed out. It could have been a very interesting artistic choice where there's just a 45-minute black <laughs> period of the film. <laughs> and she's resuscitated. Yeah. Um, you just have that, like, really corny, like, eye-opening, like, shot. Yeah, gosh, everyone's looking over her. Yeah. yeah. I guess I could have done that, but... You know, anytime that I felt like I'm going to have a panic attack, I'm like, it would just be easy if I fainted right now, because then I wouldn't have to stay in this conversation, but (laughs) I'm not going to fake fainting, you know, so at least I'm not there yet. We'll see. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We do have some questions that patrons sent in, Um, unless Jeff, you had something else you wanted to, you had any other? Uh, Well, I mean, I had a few other just like quick (laughs) notes. Um, The Astro Van. (laughs) <laughs> that like did you where did you get that van <laughs> <laughs> so much of this movie's like where'd you get that baby like that was us <laughs> a bunch of like you know all my producers are my age and i we were making this from the time we were 22 to i guess we're still it's now done and we're all 25 um but or 26 um so it was always does anyone know a baby does anyone have a van? Like that was, that was sort of how we, the movie got made was, does anyone, anyone, um, uh, that was our, our friend Corey's van. Um, my DP shares a camera with him. He's another DP, Corey Freeman lot. Um, that was his van and it was on its last legs. It was, yeah. we didn't even know if we could get it to set. He was like, it might just break down taking it from my you know, parking spot and park slope to Flatbush. Like you might not be able to get it there. And um, uh, we did, but there was a, we had to move it a couple times throughout the shoot, you know, cause it's like outside the house and mm. then it parked down the street. And each time my producer got in the car to move it, we were like holding on faded breath. Like, <laughs> can't die. Like we, like, cause any, cause it's an old, we wanted, I wanted an old van and I guess we could have rented a van, but then it would have had to look exactly the same. It would have just been a shit show and especially for yeah. continuity. I'm pretty sure the van died very shortly after the shoot. So it's like someone's oh looking down on us. Like someone, <laughs> someone's grandma's up there, like blessing us. Um, 
that's that's how we got the van. Yeah, wow. Because <laughs> I, I remember seeing those like vans growing up, and I always used to remember thinking, "Why?" Like Astro is such a cool name for a car, and it's such a like <laughs> lame van. <laughs> <laughs> like they really should have used that name on like their coolest car. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I guess yeah. I don't know. Um, my dad used to drive a van like that. He still drives the van for, as long as I've been alive. He's driven a minivan. He's dr- drone. driven driven a minivan um that's been full of his like medical supply samples so it's pretty um but even more full like people can't sit in it you can only kind of sit in the front seat beside him so that was where the inspiration was from he has some dodge caravan now but i know i didn't know anyone we were just like who's got a van anyone got a van and that's (laughs) what we got and then my dad was like i used to have a van like that and i was like of course you did um so (laughs) he's like i had the astro van yeah, 92 or whatever it was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. G- good question. No one's asked that uh, for me yet about the pan. <laughs> um, cool. I, I guess we'll get into the patron ones just so we can get, there's only three of them. But um, this first one comes from Martina and it reads, uh, Shiva Baby has instantly become one of my favorite movies ever and I'm so glad it exists. So thank you for making it. I was wondering, how was the process of going from the short to the feature? Did you already have the whole storyline planned out when you made the short, or was it developed uh, later on? I guess that's kind of what I asked earlier now that I read it out loud, but I mean, No, (laughs) I mean, you talked about the layers. Um, Yeah, um, well, that's so nice, Martina. Thank you. Um, I... um, uh, no, it was a lot of trial and error. I think especially when it comes to tone, I, I sort of initially wrote it very slapstick where she did end up, I'm not going to say, doing what she wanted to do upstairs, you know, um, in the, yeah. in the, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, like there, there was a lot of that and it was like, oh, maybe we're going to do this. It was very like sort of death at a funeral vibes. And I was like, this doesn't feel right, you know? And then I got notes from, from, uh, a mentor who was like, well, what is this really about? And then I was like, oh, of course, when I have to make this meaningful <laughs> underneath the comedy. Um, so, and then once it was like meaningful and I found out what it was really about, it was very like, it was a drama. And I was like, well, this is too serious. So it was a lot of trial and error, but you know, I knew that I wanted the, the, the main characters that we have, like the mom, the dad, Max, Kim, the baby, and um, Maya, they were always there. So it was just sort of figuring out what to do with them. There was never like, maybe we should bring in an uncle, you know, it was, it was just, it was understanding how to navigate everybody um, and make them useful and sort of Danielle's, you know, obstacles and stuff. Um, yeah, it was, it was trial and error. And I, I feel really grateful that I had incredible producers and Rachel Sennett to just read multiple drafts and give me notes or give me their thoughts. And um yeah, like originally Kim didn't come until like way later. And then mm. I'm my producer the first time we brought in our third producer later, uh, Lizzie. And the first time she read it, she was like, yeah, Kim just needs to get there like right at the beginning. Like we just <laughs> want that stuff up. That's where all the drama is. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then I was, and I think this is always the way it was. I was writing scenes and changing things up until the day we shot. And I remember I added that scene. I just mentioned to you guys like the... Martina the one upstairs um if you're listening um uh you know where she does some questionable things um I added that like a week before we shot the movie and I was like is everyone gonna think I'm crazy because that was originally in like the first version and everyone was like okay like where are we like what's going on here is this like a screwball comedy or or you know are you still trying to go for this sort of grounded thing um so I added that and then I think I added 
I changed, I changed something about the climax in terms of who was sort of pushing who, you know, before that sort of big, uh, cataclysmic uh you know sound stuff i'm literally being so vague i'm speaking i'm trying to speak (laughs) code um but yeah the mechanisms of that interaction used to be different as sort of who was initiating or doing what so um yeah so i was changing things up until the end i think that's just sort of the way it always is as i didn't know that but now that i've talked to more people they're like oh yeah of course you know yeah that's i like I was trying really hard to figure out what genre to put it under, which I think is a good thing. I love movies like that. Thank you. I think so too. Yeah. It was in the, I watched it at Newfest, which was in the middle of this like horror marathon I was doing, not expecting to include it in that. And then I was like, I feel like that counts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, of course. Uh, This next one comes from, user tom likes beans and it is has your life changed in any significant way after making the movie uh yeah because i didn't have a life when i was making it so (laughs) 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 now i'm slowly gaining it back tim likes beans um tom likes beans tim likes beans beans, yeah okay um yeah tim does not like tim hates beans yeah um uh yeah no my life is uh it did change because I think slowly I'm getting, I, yeah, my life changed because I didn't have one, um, especially after with Pose. That's sort of when I returned to like, okay, and you ha- like, like babysitting, whatever, how are we going to get this into festivals? And um, after you shoot a film, I think no one talks about this, but you have a total come down. Like it's such an adrenaline rush when you're shooting and then everyone leaves and you go into a small dark room to edit the film. <laughs> yeah. And it, it also, for us, it was the fall. So it was just getting colder. Um, so, you know, it, it's not like emotionally uh, sustainable. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, my life did change, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have it back, so. <laughs> um, and then this last one comes from, uh, it's, the user's just, hey Siri. And it was, uh, sorry, that activated my Siri. Um, <laughs> how would you recommend getting into the film industry? The Mark Duplass approach of making low budget shorts until you have enough recognition and money to make a feature. The Lance Oppenheim approach of getting into a great college and using your connections there. Another approach, a mix of the two. That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, um, thank you. Uh, hey, Siri. Um, that didn't activate mine. Um, I was trying. I was like, when you say Alexa, if you have an Alexa, I don't have one. Um, anyway, uh, w- literally whatever. Like you, you just try everything. I think that there isn't one way that works for everybody, but every a- a- anything and everything helps. If you go to a film school and have connections and have and are making good shorts, like nothing can hurt you. You know, there isn't one way over another. Um, I, I feel like, I, yeah, like if you go to film school, you know, the connections in my mind are more, and I don't know if this is what um, Hey Siri means, but um, the connections are with your friends and who you're gonna bring onto set and like build your career with. You know, if people wanna be DPs or producers or, you know, are down to, you know, do other roles until they can make their films or until they're ready to make their films. Um, that's what you get at a film school, which is awesome. If you don't have film school to do that, you can easily, not easily, it's harder, but you can meet those people. They're just, you, you just usually, they're younger and you need to like go toward the film school communities. And, and it's, I'm sure, especially in New York or LA, wherever, like, especially in New York, it's, it's not too hard to find those people who are just yeah. young and hungry. Um, 
making shorts and having success off them, like, yeah, that's, that's a, it's not foolproof, but having something to show for is so important, especially if it's a proof of concept, but even still, if it's not, and even if it hasn't gotten into festivals, just being like, this is my work as a director, like, you know, when you're casting even, or you're showing it to financiers, like, um, even if those financiers are your family members or whatever it is, like, it all helps showcase that you've done it before and you can do it on a bigger level level and i think that when you do make shorts i i haven't really watched too much of the duplass brothers shorts um so i don't know if this is going to be correct in sort of their approach but i think that um you know when i was in film school i feel like for the thesis everyone was trying to do something like huge and like a period piece or like a big sci-fi thing or whatever because they wanted to like go big or go home for their last project and Sometimes that stuff worked, but I think that the like the more ambitious you can be in story um, and in character is a better showcase of your um, your ability to tell stories um, with limited circumstances or limited um, yeah like size and scope. Um, so I'm not saying like I did it the best because I chose one day, but like it just it helps you out I think because then it you know it's obviously important to challenge yourself but I don't know if I could have done a million locations once we got to the sugar daddy apartment on the last day I was like wait where am I like I got so used to the house um and I don't know if I would have been able to handle much more than that um so yeah all of it helps um and when it comes to getting into the film industry quote unquote like I don't think that exists I if you're trying to be a filmmaker if you want to be in development yeah, like being an assistant and working your way up like a company or, you know, an agent's assistant, like those have more traditional roots. Um, if you're trying to like get into the film industry and make your own films as a director or as a writer director, uh, you have to carve that out for yourself. Unless you have the lucky situation of having a production company be like, oh my God, you're so talented. You've made all these great shorts. We need to make your first feature, which that does happen. Um, you know, unless that's the case, you just have to figure out either getting grants or bringing on financiers. I'm not sure if I said this already because I'm like, oh, I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I'm just one continuous blob of, of talking about how to finance movies. <laughs> but we made this movie from all these people who'd never invested in film before. We tried making it through production companies that we'd interned for and they all said no. Um, and then we just put our heads together and then started harassing literally everyone we've ever met who we thought had money and then eventually people who we didn't even know if they had money or not, but we were like, can't hurt to ask. Um, and so, you know, I feel like I didn't break into the industry. I just sort of, I mean, I guess I did. So it depends on your definition, but I just sort of want to make that clear that you have to break in yourself. You know, you have to sort of, there's so many people trying to make shorts and their first features and there's so much noise. You just have to sort of push, not push people out of the way, but you just have to sort of carve and make that space for yourself. So Totally. It's, not to add pressure, but it's kind of on you. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of on you. That's super true. Yeah. Um, thank you. Well, that was, I think, all the questions we had uh, from Patreon. I, that's everything I had to say. Jeff, I don't know if you wanted to add anything. Uh, well, it's putting <laughs> pressure on me here. Um, okay, I did actually want to touch, la like, the last thing that really stuck out in terms of adding to the the atmosphere of this film was the score. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, how did you kind of come to that decision to do this like very um, intricate, like, I don't know, I don't know how you got the strings to feel in that, you know, the mood that you hit with the strings. 
thank you. Yeah, I um, I feel like that sort of was its own. The music sort of had the most sort of um, surprising journey uh, in that, like, I didn't want music. Uh, I didn't go into making the film wanting music. I don't come from a music background. The short didn't have music, and I just didn't picture it. Um, but when we were shooting the scene where Danielle's looking over at the baby and getting a first real good look at the baby crying while she's sort of having all these questions being asked to her about her career and blah, 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 um, from, from Maya and from Maya's mom and from Jackie Hoffman. Um, she, I, I think when we were shooting that, I realized all the dialogue I had written in the, in the moments of her being asked about things was just background noise. And what the scene was really about was her looking at this baby and like getting just sort of taking in that her sugar daddy has a baby and this his own life and et cetera. Um, so I was like, we need music to sort of showcase that that's what the focus is and sort of to drown out the um, voices or even just really interesting and intricate sound design. Um, so once I had that scene or we were shooting it, I was like, oh, okay, like a score would be incredibly beneficial to just sort of showcase that anxiety, that Danielle's anxiety was the base. And that kind of goes back to the question that you asked at the beginning, like what was sort of the first thing or, or how did all the layers kind of come up? And so I feel like I wanted to make that initial layer of Danielle sort of trying to chase power and not getting it, or just Danielle having a panic attack, the base. And I felt like the score was gonna be the only way, not the only way, but the, it was gonna really help make it so that anytime you heard music, it was Danielle like freaking out. Um, so, I knew I wanted something string based because I wanted it to sort of kind of remind you of like a klezmer kind of vibe, but I didn't want it to be like full fiddler on the roof. So we started looking at string based composers and this one uh, composer, Ariel Marx, was recommended to me by my professor, by a student of his. Um, and I, it just felt like kismet because it was like a, a student I'd never met and my professor just emailed me randomly, my old professor. and. Um, she was just perfect. And um, she just, in terms of developing the sound, I, I just kept on saying, I, I want something string based and, and um, I want something anxious. And she was like, okay, well, I'll send you a list of sounds. And she sent me a, a sound library of violin sounds. Um, uh, just, and she said, you know, pick a couple if you like them or just pick whatever ones you like. So I sent her all the ones that I liked and they were all like the plucks and the screeches mm -hmm. and things like that. And, um, she was like, okay, so you want a horse score? And um, I was like, I guess. I, I, and again, I, I said this earlier, but I don't watch too many horror movies. And um, so I, that didn't come to me. I wasn't like, oh, I want a horror score. Um, so she just sort of, she, it was hard. It took some trial and error in certain places because, you know, I feel like at certain points it could have se seemed comical, you know, like in like a psycho kind of way. Like it did, I never wanted the score to be making fun of Danielle. Um, and it's tough because we're in a comedy. Um, so I, yeah, I just think she's awesome. And um, I feel really lucky that the process was the way it was. Um, and uh, she's an, she was an incredible collaborator. So yeah, that's how we came to that. Awesome. Awesome. That's, yeah, it's one of my favorite parts about the movie. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you. Well, I think that's all we have. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on this. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> thank you for having me. This was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anything besides your literal movie to <laughs> plug or that you want to, I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> leave, leave I'm with. like, follow, follow the Shiva Baby movie Instagram for updates. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 
No, I don't have anything else. I'm like, I wish I could be like, I have my own podcast, but I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, just follow, follow the Instagram. And <laughs> awesome. And it. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you, Emma, again, so much for being on. Congrats on all the success yeah. with the film thank again. You. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, nice meeting yeah. you. Nice meeting you as well. Thank you Sweet. for having me. And we're back. <laughs> What's up? Um, so that was the interview. I thought it went pretty well, Jeff, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, what if was, we recorded this part before the interview? Before the interview. <laughs> You're like, that went great. And <laughs> it actually well. was like a disaster. That was my favorite part, too. Yeah. No, that was um, fun. Yeah. Uh, so go check out Shiva Baby. I, it should be out. It, it won't be out by the time this podcast drops, but it'll be out in a few days. I think it's April 2nd, the release date. And yeah, um, I cannot recommend it enough. I think... I think my fan base particularly will really love this movie. I think it's it fits. I that. I think my fan base will also love it. Yeah, and, and Jeff's Jeff's as well. <laughs> I have about twelve people in the fan base. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, what was the? Oh, I guess we'll do our wrap up now that we're done. Um, yeah. Well, we have one. Oh, one question. That's right. Question. We wanted to get to this question from fifteen dollar patron Jacob Colness. That is not. We would we would have been weird if we asked this while Emma was here. Um, yeah, it is. If you and Jeff were the same age growing up and you were both in the same kindergarten class, would you be friends or would one of you be a bully? Oh, Karsten absolutely would have bullied me. No, I wouldn't have. I was not a bully. In <laughs> I was never a bully. I don't think we just we just never would have talked. I know a kid. I know a few kids from my school that like I respected them, but we never talked. That's what we would have been. You would have and, respected me. Yep, and then we would have grown together and started a podcast, and that's grown, what grown together. Grown. <laughs> These are us on our two paths, and, like, they would just, have, and then they would have intertwined. Yep, and talk on the. I can't actually intertwine. My fingers are too chubby. I can't. There. My fingers I got, are. Uh, I got chubby fingers. Whoa! Oh God! I don't know why that got me. That. <laughs> Um, cool. What about you? Do you have an I, answer? I did the thing where you you pretend you pull your finger off for those yeah, listening to the audio the version audio of this podcast, which is most uh, people, to be honest. It's most people. After looking honestly, at our analytics, I'm surprised at how we have not acknowledged that. Enough. Yeah, we. I think it's it's at least two thirds. It's I think yeah. I think it's seventy percent at least of the people yep. listen to this only audio. Uh, so you know what? Honestly, we should apologize to you people that sometimes we do things like that and, and you just yep. hear someone go like, "Whoa, that was Whoa. nuts!" And then we never explain what it was. Yep, because yeah. Um. Well, with that out of the way, we'll get Whoa, into. Whoa! What the hell? <laughs> Person just did no, nothing, a somersault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dumb bit. <laughs> um, uh, well, next movie, movie for next week, we're talking about another round. It's a movie out of Denmark starring Matt yeah, Nicholson. Yeah, it's actually about drawing circles. Yeah. Yeah. Another round. <laughs> The, the, uh, I think the title in Denmark is just Druk, which I think is just drunk in Denmark. <laughs> Danish is a very, I like that language a lot. Um, yeah, well, the thing is that Danish and Swedish Druk. are supposed to be two of the easiest languages to yeah. learn because a lot of a it, native English speaker because the sounds are similar. Yep, yeah, Druk. Um, right, like French is very difficult. 
in German as well if you're an English speaker because we just don't have a lot of the sounds they have. Yeah, yeah. We haven't unlocked them yet. Um, we haven't unlocked those. We got to <laughs> we gotta train our tongues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another round next week. I think it's available to rent in certain platforms, obviously Amazon. But I know a lot of independent theaters, like the Music Box was renting it. So if you're looking for a good way to support an independent theater, consider renting it on your local art house if they have it i don't know wait how does that work you just it's basically the same as amazon because like they music box for example would have shown this or would have screened this so they had like Um, the rights to it but then you could just watch it digitally from them yep on their virtual platform i know because that's how i watched minari was through the lincoln center virtual cinema which was in new york and uh i just know music box has their whole own platform and they honestly might not be screening this anymore it might just be i but didn't even know that existed yeah they don't promote it enough but i'm like that's the only way i've given money to them in this time did so you buy snacks from them i did get popcorn on to go one time and it was amazing music box does the popcorn. I miss music movie theater popcorn me too yeah um well this next one comes well not next one what is this? uh Next, we like to read a review to encourage you guys to leave reviews. And this one comes from Spookly uh, from the United States of America. Subject line is number one film travel beverage podcast, five stars. And it says, if you don't listen to the Karstcast yet, you must live under a rock. The legendary duo of internet sensation Carson Runquist and worldwide travel icon Jeffrey Borslow have graced us with a podcast experience like none other. If you love the film Ishtar, but hate animated fur, then this podcast is for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, a great review. You know, you could tell yeah. that person's a captured, big uh, karst head. Big karst head. Is that Wait, what do we call it? Do, do we, we don't have a fan base call name. Fans. No, cast heads. Cast, we just no, call them sounds, podcast fans. Podcasts? Did we ever say that at one point? We have not, but that would actually be a good one because we never got to use podcast as the title. Yeah, I mean, so we could have called them the podcasts. Podcasts. That actually, that's really hard to say. Tough to say. Podcasts. Yeah, karst karsts karst casts. Karst. No, that's just the name of the podcast. We'll just call them Jeffs. I feel like that's what we came up with like over a year ago, and you know, or yeah, yep. I don't know. Well, it's a work in progress. Hey, Jeffs. Okay. Um, That's see, that's weird because it sounds like you're talking to me, (laughs) but I'm talking to the group. Um, (laughs) Where's the group? Lastly, we want to thank our patrons, our core Jeffs, our hardcore Jeffs, <laughs> over at patreon.com slash Karscast, where you can get exclusive access to bonus episodes, Q&A, shoutouts at the end of every episode, which we're about to do, and Zoom Hangouts, which reminds me, Jeff, would you like to announce the next Zoom Hangout? Yes. This, so we are doing this Zoom Hangout for this month on the last day of the month. <laughs> uh, that would be March 31st 31st. at 2 p.m. Central, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. Now, with the time changes where you, the U.S. and Europe do daylight savings differently, I do not know if it has, like, flipped back to being, yeah. you know. So not. just uh, notice at 2 p.m. Central. Central time. So yep. just uh, locally look up what that would be if you would like to hang out. So that's Wednesday, March 31st. March 31st. Be there or be square if you're a patron. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but all the more reason to become a patron if you want to hang out with us on Wednesday. Um, we, we, you know, you got to talk to Karsten, which normally he doesn't let to anyone him. talk to him. That's not true at all. That's not, <laughs> you, you I, did close did off disable, your letterbox. Yeah. yeah. Which I will defend till the day. You know, I think that I, was a good idea. Um, yeah, I agree that that is a totally, people were blowing that out of the water. Out yeah, of proportion. They were blown out of the water. What does that even, that doesn't make sense. They were blown, they were blown out of proportion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they were, cause it's literally your own account. You can do whatever you yep. want. And Why would you let people say like, Karsten, this guy's dumb. Yep. Boundaries do exist. Yeah. People. <laughs> um, and lastly, we'd like to just read off these names of the lovely patrons. Uh, so thank you. <sighs> Sorry, that was weird. I did like a weird. Yeah, it sounded like you like started joking. <laughs> Addison Ware, AJ Ford, Allison Grace, Ben Chow, Blake Root, Boyoyoyoy, Brandon Yu, Brock Schultz, Camilla, David, David Sir, Eden, Grant Gao, Harry Remedianakis, Hey Tham, Khan, Hey Siri, who is Car- activated Siri, who is Carson Runquist? I don't live in Ohio. Iva, Jaden Easton, Jacob Colness, Jane V, John Van Hout, Joshua, Chris Wiki, Judy S, Justin Dickinson, Katie T, Kaylee Patney, Liv Rob, Molly Overbow, Manu Ausen, Martin Def, Martina, Mary Lee Borslow, Me Lovely Daughter Pearl, Micah Simmons, Monroe Page, Nora Barathova, Parks, Riley Ost, Robert Burke, Sam Farr, Skylar Ermol, Sophia Arieta, Stella Perry, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Smitty Werbin, Jagerman Jensen, 10 billion. The, the Monopoly guy, the Monopoly man, Tom Lakes Beans, Begard Strom, Vera S. West Kinley, Xavier Fossier, and Yusef A. 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 I would also like to give a big thank you. There'll be something more special, but thank you to Vegard Strom for 100 gift subs on Twitch. Um, Wild. Ridiculous thing to do, but thank you, Vegard. Um, anyways, I think that's that's it. Um, yeah. Last thing I'll say is that we will make sure because the last few we've done this, but uh, we will schedule next month's uh, patron Zoom hangout mm-hmm. on a weekend. Yeah. We usually try to, but this time it just didn't quite work. Got out us. of out of our hands. Yeah. But, anyways, Jeff, do you have anything else to say? Uh, catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side. Mm-hmm.